So, Jackie, can you tell me a little bit of the history of the organization before it became EveryCat? Because I think a lot of people are very familiar with the Win Feline Foundation. Um, and, and so let's start with the history a little bit, and, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what kind of work do you, that you do with this foundation. Because Steve is right. So many cats have been touched by the research uh, that is happening still, and that has, has happened with, uh, with the support of this foundation. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Purr Podcast, and we have a special surprise because we have a co-host, and it's not a co-host that you think we have because Kelly is not here. We have a very special co-host, and it's Steve Dale. Hello, Steve. This is so exciting for me. I get to co-host with you. So this is, this is the coolest thing ever uh, because uh, I'm sure you will tell everyone this is not my first go-around with a Purr Podcast. It's not your first rodeo, and we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, because I think you're going to beat a person that has been on the podcast the most. You have, as a matter of fact, you have a tie with one person right now, and you're going to beat him because you are on the podcast again as a host and a uh, and 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 being interviewed. So this is going to propel you in the per podcast Valhalla. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I love it. Oh, that's a, you know, that's a Nordic term for heaven. So, uh, yes. So you you are a special VIP. You were already a special VIP. Now you're even more special. But uh, we have also have a very special guest, uh, Steve. Would you like to introduce our guest? Indeed we do. So the Win Feline Foundation has been around for, I think it's 52, might be 53 years. uh, And... We have not only a new name, which we'll talk about, but a new executive director who is a real pro in every sense of the word. So it is my honor, and this is the first time I'm doing this very publicly, it is my honor to introduce Jackie Achicola, the new (sighs) executive director of the Every Cat Health Foundation. And I am so honored to be here and thank you both for the introductions and for welcoming me onto the show. I uh, actually had the privilege of listening to a few per podcast, so I'm not quite sure what I'm in for, but I'm privileged (laughs) to be here. Yeah, we normally go with the flow and we're very easy. So, uh, you know, normally Dr. Susan is here. Dr. Susan uh, uh, could not make this specific podcast. So I'm really happy that Steve is jumping in. Uh, and so, Steve, before we really start talking, let's uh, let's reveal the fact that this is the third time you're on. And so that makes you the most repeated guest that we have had on the per podcast ever. And I hope I'm getting extra credit because I'm hosting or co-hosting as well as being exactly. a guest. I mean, this is this is great. I'm making the world record books and I'm beating out Mike Lappin, who you know will get a text about this as soon as we're done. Yes. So uh, Mike Lappin is, uh, was uh, on the same spot that you were the two times. Uh, he is now dethroned uh, <laughs> by you. We can say that that way. 
and congratulations there. It's a very coveted spot, I can tell you that. Well, uh, there's no one that can dethrone Mike Lappin, however, or you for that matter. So I'm just happy to be here. You know, you yeah, get, so you, sometimes you get what you pay for. So here I am. Exactly. Exactly. Now, this is great. This is great. And 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 I'm very excited about um, the Wind Foundation in general. Uh, I know it was your birthday relatively recently. And what you always do is you put the Wind Foundation as uh, in your Facebook post as something that you can donate to. And I was beaten this year because I'm normally the first one that donates to the Wind Foundation because I love the Wind Foundation and everything they do for cats and cat research. Uh, but this year I didn't make it in time. What happened? Well, our, I don't know. Our mutual friend Becky Mosser, veterinary technician superstar, was yes. right on it. And and she it's not easy to beat Yola Kirpenstein, but she did. Yeah. Yes, yes, she did. So, congratulations, Becky, there. And uh, and how much <laughs> money? How much money at the end uh, did you rake up for the win? Oh, uh, sorry. I yeah, what? Well, uh, Every Cat Health Foundation. Yeah, it wasn't quite as much as last year or the year before, but we nearly hit a thousand dollars. And That's given awesome. given the fact that I had four days that I did it, and I'm just grateful that you know, and people donated all over the map, just a couple dollars or much more than that, and everything in between. And every dollar does matter to support funding for cat health studies. And in fact, Jackie will probably explain what the Wind Feline Foundation and now rebranded as the Every Cat Health Foundation does, because I don't know that everyone knows. Yes. So let's start talking to Jackie about this, uh, this excellent foundation. Jackie. Well, it is an excellent foundation, and I uh, started my journey here just uh, just this year in January. So for a month, I experienced um, our history and, and paid tribute to our founder, Robert Wynn, as the Wynn Feline Foundation. But on February 4th, we launched our new brand, which is the Every Cat Health Foundation. Uh, our mission is still the same. Our programs are still the same, and we can talk more about those as we go. But our mission is to really um, advance feline health research um, through you know, groundbreaking endeavors and fund that research and promote education in the, the necessary studies for, for cats and cat health. So we're um, truly speaking now to every cat, um, to every person and loving cats more and trying to really broaden our message. And um, how can you love cats more? But we, we need we need the love. We need donors like Steve. We need to to reach more people so that we can fund more research. You know, Dr. Kirpenstein, I, I don't think there's a cat on the planet that has not, I mean, it's gonna sound crazy, but a domestic cat on the planet that in some way, whether they be community, quote, feral cats, whether they be cats in shelters, whether they be cats in homes, that have not been, it has not been impacted by this organization. I don't think that's a stretch. And that's pretty incredible. So Jackie, can you tell me a little bit of the history of the organization before it became Every Cat? Because I think a lot of people are very familiar with the Wind Feline Foundation. Um, and, and so let's start with the history a little bit and, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what kind of work do you, that you do with this foundation. Because Steve is right, so many cats have been touched by the research uh, that is happening still and that has, has happened with, uh, with the support of this foundation. 
And I think Steve might be better poised to talk about the history. He's been involved longer, but we really are an, are an organization that stemmed from the work of the Cat Fanciers Association and one of their longtime board members, Robert Wynn, who the Wynn Feline Foundation was named after, really uh, had the, the forethought to realize that uh, cats were really being underserved and not enough was being put into cat health research. And and my background is from animal welfare, and that is true. You know, you feel like kind of do dogs have always been at the forefront of the, the conversations, especially in health, and, and we're reaching to more people and pet parents also to, to help them realize that the cats, cats need just as much care as all the rest of us do. But Robert Wynn back in his day, uh, really stepped forward to to make that gesture, and I believe our foundation started with a just a hundred and fifty dollar donation. So, as Steve said, with his fundraiser, any amount really helps. And since then, we've funded over eight million dollars in cat health research. Um, we wow. can, yeah, it, it's an amazing amount. We've been around fifty three years, but again, trying to expand that. We recently, in just this past March, received sixty seven fantastic proposals for for research and you know ha had we unlimited funds we could have funded every one of them they're they're very worthy in their own right but as we grow and as we reach more people that is that is our goal to to be able to do more so just um during the pandemic, during COVID, we kind of, as we were all hunkered down in various ways, uh, the foundation took that year to really look at its name and, and look at its mission and realize how can we reach more people? How can we reach more donors? How can we promote the research? And how can we speak to every person, to cat lovers, to cat parents, to cat fanciers, to, to more people in the cat health field. What, what would say that? And uh, working with a marketing firm, uh, the board uh, cre created the, the name and the new look that you see today. So while we still pay tribute to Robert Wynn in so many ways and have a strong relationship with both CFA and also uh, with Tika and many other organizations, um, we we just hope to to grow that and reach more. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I want to talk a little more about the history and the impact that this organization has made. Just just a couple of bullet points. And also after that, Dr. Kirbenstein, what I'd like to hear is a little about Jackie and why this organization appealed to her. A cat lover, clearly. Uh, but just a few bullet points and i'm i i can jump in there with some too because i i know some quite well and actually here's the one i want to start with it has to do with the way we feed cats uh which dr kirpenstein is very intimately related to the way we feed cats thankfully we have him to help feed cats you know uh but at some point in time there was this heart disease called dilated cardiomyopathy that was occurring cats were going blind cats were dying uh, the veterinarians at that time, this was before my time, but at that time, I am told we're thinking, oh, we need a magic pill. We need some sort of cure, uh, some sort of medication or some sort of treatment for this. Uh, and weren't even thinking about what Dr. Paul Pion came up with, then a veterinary student in cardiology 
at the University of California, Davis. Everyone else thought he was crazy when he said there's not enough of an amino acid called taurine in cat food. Well, the Win Feline Foundation, then it was the Win Feline Foundation said, you know what? The Scientific Advisory Board at that time said, this is actually what you say may make sense. Well, it turned out he was right. And now as Dr. Kirpenstein can describe far better than me, I believe every cat food in the world uh, knows how much taurine the cats need. Is that right? Yeah, it's an essential fatty acid for cats. So, uh, uh, sorry, not for the acids, uh, amino acid um, right. for cats. And uh, so, yes, they need it. They can't make it themselves. They, unlike dogs and unlike us. Uh, unlike dogs, unlike, uh, yeah. So I think yeah, the the foundation has, has done multiple of those kind of research topics um and 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 so so everybody recognizes that for sure for sure so so jackie can you tell us a little bit be because obviously you found this foundation really interesting from your perspective so uh how how did it go how did you become the ceo of uh of uh, every cat right now but before that what did you do before you became the ceo of every cat how did i become the executive director it was an absolutely grueling process <laughs> <laughs> again uh, i'm honored to have spent my entire uh, professional life in animal welfare uh, in some capacity or another um, even though it, it's a it's a broad field it, it could be a reasonably small field and I received a phone call um, letting me know uh, that about the position became extremely intrigued um, and and was basically recruited for it but enjoyed the the, the entire journey. Uh, meeting the board, uh, meeting the different committees, um, just learning uh, more about the organization as I, as I went. And it really resonated with me because, as I mentioned earlier, I've uh, always believed, and I know uh, Steve, I don't want to speak for him, but feels the same way, that cats have kind of been the underserved uh, pet in our home for a number of years. And uh, just helping you know, elevate their care and creating more awareness about their health care and reaching to every person. So when I saw um, the rebranding happening, it was just kind of the the, the perfect time uh, for for that I felt for me to join and help take Win Feline Foundation, Every Cat Health Foundation, to to the next level. I. Um, Gosh, I way back when I worked at the St. Louis Zoo with uh, marine mammals. I also had an opportunity to work with big cats, exotic cats, uh, lions and tigers, and well, even bears for a little bit. Um, those aren't cats. Um, and uh, just really enjoyed that. I was director of the Marine Mammal Care Center, the SEAL Hospital in Los Angeles for uh, well over a decade. And then... Um, was fortunate enough to work for Wallace Annenberg and the Annenberg Foundation as she explored what she could do to help uh, the human-animal bond, the human-animal connection in Los Angeles in a unique and meaningful way that would also help uh, the, the municipal uh, area shelters and mm -hmm. that. So I was fortunate enough to uh, be involved with that project um, from inception until it opened, it's Wallace Annenberg Pet Space now. And uh, I really enjoyed that part of my journey. 
looked up from that project's completion and realized that um, my my father, uh, who lives in Florida, was was not getting any younger. And if he's if, if he's listening, he he can't argue with that. But um, <laughs> he uh, he lives in Saras just south of Sarasota, Florida, and uh, Cat Depot in Sarasota, another feline only shelter, specialty uh, cat hospital associated with it. Had an opening for an executive director, and I. Um, moved here for that job. I'm close to my dad and I am still still working with cats, uh, but um, hoping to stay with Every Cat Health Foundation for, for years to come. So that's kind of my long-winded history, but fortunate to be with animals the whole time. And 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 that's and that's great. Thank you for that. So so uh, just before we really dive into uh, what Wynn does, uh, if we look at feline shelters um, uh, and especially feline only shelters, because you don't hear that much about feline only shelters, I'm intrigued by it because most of the time the shelters have a feline part and a dog part. A part, and I'm always worried about the cats hearing dog sounds all day long. Um, so what what Tell me a little bit about the feline-only shelter. What is it? Why did they do it? And how many cats went through that? And how, how successful is it repatriating cats or rehoming cats compared to dogs? I think it's probably a little bit more difficult in some cases. Oh, gosh. Um, I, 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 I agree with you. I think the cats, um, you know, when they have when they have dogs in a shelter, it's important to make sure that, that the cats are comfortable because um, otherwise, um, you know, it can be a stressful situation anyway. Um, at, at Cat Depot, um, I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but we uh, adopted over a, probably a thousand cats a year. And there are several wow. other shelters in, in the Sarasota area that are also doing great work. But we specifically catered to cats, all cats, mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and, and we really helped uh, make the match. Um, we would work with the municipal shelters in the area, other rescue groups. We could take uh, special needs cases because we did have an on-site clinic, both public facing uh, and internal, but really focusing and specializing on, on that, I, I think was also helpful for the, the future parents that were coming in because our sole focus were, was just on cats. And if you found that maybe cats weren't for you and you were looking for a dog, we could send you around the corner to the Humane Society as well. But but just having the, the experts uh, the experts there and working with experts such as uh, the folks at University of Florida, uh, Julie Levy, Million Cat Challenge, those, those folks to, to continue the education uh, around all cats in the community working uh, with groups on TNR as well. Um, so just, again, all cats all the time. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I, I think uh, the work that shelters do is just completely amazing and, and for the cats that need a forever home. Uh, and so I really appreciate that. So uh, thank you for your service there. And now thank you for your service at Winn, so uh, so it's was it a big change for you yourself going from a 
cat shelter and all, all the things that you do to your new job because you started your job right in the pandemic huh? yes and i i mean that was interesting for all of us right we um we actually sent all of our cats into foster situations and and many many foster failures there even dad dad and doris got a cat and i said it's time to bring the cats back to the shelter and there most people said no <laughs> so that was that was one way to get them adopted but it really beefed up our our foster uh program and we were actually able to continue the same amount of adoption so it made a lot of people in animal sheltering look up and realize that hey we can serve more people and more cats um in innovative ways so uh, we're glad for that i do um i'm learning the the virtual like everyone else i do miss the in-person interaction mm -hmm. and i was so happy to meet you at vmx and to meet steve for the first time um at, at vmx recently but i share my home with um four horses and two dogs and three cats so when i need my animal fixes i i just have to to move up from my desk unless they're they're here around me i am fortunate enough um to have lola a nine nine year old no no lola's old uh lola we know know lola's age but she has two nine-year-old kittens and i have that whole family of cats that move with us from california and they were they were feed store cats they were kind of being kicked out of their community cat-ish outdoor home and they have found a home now and i think they're uh, hanging out on the lanai right now here in florida so <laughs> So it has been an interesting transition, but I love the, I love the challenge. I love where every Cat Health Foundation can go. I love the fact that we are really uh, making worldwide groundbreaking efforts to promote cat health. And I am so excited to be a part of that. That's awesome. Steve, to you for the next question. <laughs> well, but, uh, I'd love to talk about are some of the educational events we're offering and why we mm -hmm. offer those, as well as, uh, I guess, the headline, and we kind of buried the lead, although you were one of the first, you, sir, one of the first to know about this, and that is uh, what we've learned about FIP. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I didn't know at that time that I can talk about is a drug called remdesivir, but all of us on the Winfeline Foundation, then it was still the Winfeline Foundation, Every Cat Health Foundation now on the board, we all knew remdesivir would be tried once it was discovered it's a SARS coronavirus that actually ties into FIP. And it's a story that isn't told often enough. And if it wasn't for the Every Cat Health Foundation, I argue that remdesivir would not be offered for people. Now, doesn't that sound crazy? How can that be? Do you have to break and we can tease? Uh, no, no, we're, oh. we're, I think we're still, uh, we're still, let me check the time. We're still in time. We, we have about three minutes left. So you want to have this as a cliffhanger or do you want to, oh, he wants this as a cliffhanger. Okay, so we'll come back with that answer. Uh, next week uh, in a second podcast but we still have some time to talk about uh, the every cat health foundation um so uh give us a little bit of 
background, Jackie, how many people work there? Uh, you use a lot of volunteers, I know, because most of the people that help you with picking out the research and checking out the research are probably volunteer based. So can you give a little bit insights in 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 how how this foundation functions? Yes, our staff has grown uh, by leaps and bounds over the last few years. We, You are right. There is a, a whole army of folks that helps make our work possible, uh, from collaborators to uh, sponsoring organizations. There are about 35 key people that really help uh, keep the grants moving, uh, keep the the, the office moving, keeping the administration, and only four of those are our staff members. Mm -hmm. So uh, for a long time, uh, there were just two two people, um, mm -hmm. and, and then there were three, and uh, two weeks ago, we, we added a fourth. So we have a, a new director of development and marketing, myself, um, Lisa Savaggio, which a, a lot of folks may know, she's been around for over eight years now, helps keep the office running and is our donor liaison. And then Virginia Rude, who if you uh, join us for our webinars, you will meet her as she coordinates and moderates those. That's great, that's great. So it's really a, 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 a small group of people that do, does a whole lot of work. And, and, and I think we don't emphasize that enough that these, organizations uh, are mainly driven by the love of people of doing the good things that they're doing so that is very very much appreciated and then a small core of people that that work really really hard to make everything tick so uh, so thank you for that so as a matter of fact we are right at time i really appreciate the the first session i know we're coming back next week so thank you steve for being co-hosting it's an co honor and thank you, Jackie, for being on uh, this week. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Looking great, forward to it. Great. This is the Per Podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. And we have a great co-host, uh, Steve Dale, in the absence of uh, Dr. Susan Little. Uh, if you like what you hear, please uh, go to perpodcast.net. We have a social media handle at Per Podcast, and we're on Instagram and Facebook, wherever you want to find us, we're there. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating because that's really important for other people. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate our two guests of today. So thank you. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yola Kerpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? 
Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove screw-bite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Per Podcast. 